we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking knots? What the fuck cakes? Here's one. This is WTF. I am Mark Marin. Welcome to the show. Today on the show, the uh, the wonderful Andy Daly, one of the funniest comedic actors in the business today. You may know him from Eastbound and Down. You may know him from movies. You may know him from uh, Comedy Bang Bang. You may know him. Why don't we take a look at his IMDb page? If, I, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to try to do the efficient... Let's give the guy some respect and look at his IMDb. Am I really doing this in real time? Am I really looking up Andy Daly's IMDb in real time in order for me to give you credit? See, this is the kind of thing that I could have prepared a little earlier. Oh, yeah, look at that. No, I don't want No, I don't want Adobe Flash right now. Remind me later. Uh, yep, Eastbound and Down, Delocated, The Life and Times of Tim, of course. The Paul Reiser Show, which I don't imagine any of you saw. The Informant he was in. Oh, my God. This guy works. Reno 911. All right. You know what? You get it. Mad TV. I, I forgot how much this guy's fucking done. Well, he's on the show shortly. He's coming up in a minute. I need some. I need something authentic. I need something real. I. You know, I was just on the uh, toilet. I don't. You know, I don't want to be crass. I'm not a big reader in there. I don't know why people stack up magazines. I mean, how long do you really want to sit in there? How long does it really take? Are you okay? Are you okay? It takes that long. Are you okay? But I got my denial of death in there, just sitting there on the toilet, because I don't fuck around. You know, if I'm going to be taking the time to read, I want it to be deep. I want it to have some resonance. And God knows I've talked about this book enough on this show. But every time I pick it up, and that is the true testament of a work of genius. Dig this. Quote, people create the reality they need in order to discover themselves. Unquote. What do you even do with that? What is it all about perception? When you think about that question about reality, and I'm not going to you know, slide into uh, to philosophizing, but, uh, but that thing had some impact on me. I, because obviously it's all relegated or, or relevant to our perception. That's the context of our reality is what we perceive. It's all right here in front of us, but you can't take it all in all at once and acknowledge that really. Your, your brain would explode. But for some reason, that line in that moment really, the people create the reality they need in order to discover themselves or, you know, conversely, obviously, to avoid themselves. But I think that's the ultimate drive is to find your groove that you can live in and feel that you are being the best you. Maybe, you know, shop around for a reality. You know, you don't have to commit to any one reality. You don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to be locked into a reality. You can always return to a reality. You can exchange a reality for a reality that fits you better. Uh, you can tweak your reality so it makes more sense to you. You don't have to commit to the reality that you were given. Feel free to, to, to do whatever you want with it. Trade it in. You can trade a friend for their reality. That's called uh, marriage authenticity that might be what dictates your search for your reality there people create the reality they need in order to discover themselves 
How do you get close to that fine wood grain? How do you get close to that, the real deal that you are? I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know. Terror is one way. Creativity is another way. Being humbled and handed your ass is another way. Sometimes the world will chip away at you and then you just have to assess what's left. And then you're like, oh God, this is me. I finally, finally life has taken a few chunks off of the illusion that I had built for myself and look what I'm left with. I'm slowly crumbling, but I'm okay with it. Could somebody make me some shelves, please? A cabinet? Uh, yeah, I don't want to go to Ikea. There's no authenticity there. There's no, there's no you know, you, you, there's part of you that rationalizes it. Like, look, it's, it's, it's quick. It looks good enough. It'll fit the wall, but it'll look like fucking Ikea. No matter what, there's three colors they have. I'm not buying it. I'm not doing it. Why does it, why does it, I'm, not, I'm willing to pay a craftsman a reasonable amount of money to build me a wall shelf for my, uh, for stuff. Is there anyone out there, a fan of WTF in the LA area, who is a cabinet maker, who toils away as they listen to me, sanding wood, dictating finishes, getting the stain right? Where are you? I could call, maybe I should write to Nick Offerman, but that can't. He's got to be busy. He's, he's not making a goddamn uh, console for me. Look, I'm willing to work with you. Help me out. Throw me a bone. I'm looking for something real. I'm looking for something authentic. I'm looking for something close to the grain. You dig what I'm saying? Something that feels like something that somebody made, not something that feels like I put it together with ridiculous tools. Damn it. I got a speeding ticket. Did I tell you that? Yeah. 4.30 in the morning. I'm driving 55 miles an hour down York Boulevard at 4.30 in the morning. It's still dark. I'm going to the airport. I'm running late. This is my neighborhood, man. There's nobody out. Where's that rule? Where's the rule that if there's nobody on the road and it's the middle of the fucking night and you're not drunk, you could drive fast if you keep your shit together? Where's that rule? So I'm just cruising, man, down York. I'm not going 100. I'm going 55. All right, it's a 35-mile-an-hour zone. Who pays attention? You're just trying to get someplace. There's not supposed to be cops there. There's usually other cars around. Boom, motorcycle cop on my ass. Pulls me over. Comes up to the window. I open the window. Do whatever the male equivalent of pushing my tits up. Hey, how you doing? I'm trying to get to the airport I'm, I'm on my way to the airport look there's my bag got my bag in the back seat right there officer i'm i'm running not i'm running a little late he's like oh uh he actually got flustered and was sort of accommodating it was very weird the power of uh i guess uh being white in los angeles i got an accommodating uh police officer who was yeah, I, I mean, I can't complain. He's like, oh, well, do you have insurance? I'm like, yeah, I got insurance. He's like, all right. Didn't even ask for my insurance card. You just give me your license. Let me get this done. Let me get this written up. And uh, I guess I should be grateful for that. I guess I am. I don't know. But he's standing in the back of my car writing it up. Then I see like three other motorcycle cops come gather around him, get off their their uh, their motorcycles and do the I guess he equi- they literally were high-fiving each other. I don't know if I was this guy's cherry, if I popped his cherry, or you know they were looking for, 
for people or, or he, I don't know why congratulations were in order, but I was the guy. I was the, the one that tipped the scales. Maybe they just made their quota, but I can't imagine that they'd be that excited over that. So he comes back. He's like, look, man, I, uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't, you were going 55 and a 35 and I just don't want to be calling your kin next time with some bad news. Who's calling kin? Where does that language come from? We in the Wild West. And, yeah. and then there was that moment where he gives me the ticket. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. Do I appreciate it? What is with that moment of politeness? Why can't at least at that moment, why can't you be like, you know, I, I hope you feel better about yourself. You think you taught me a lesson? Eventually they do teach you a lesson. Somebody needs to tell me to slow down. That's his job is to, to keep me keeping me in check. I can't get another ticket, man. I'm too old to lose my license for bullshit. Did I mention that we're going to be running uh, three episodes a week a bit, occasionally now? Like uh, this week, we're going to be doing, I'm going to be, if you don't mind, I'm going to re-release the Brian Cranston episode from last year that we did with him before the season finale of last season's um, Breaking Bad. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that haven't heard that. And there's a lot of people that would be interested in hearing that. I want to share that with you. You can, you know, you can get all the episodes if you upload to that premium app. But we're going to run Brian Cranston on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, our regular shows, we're going to be featuring Todd Snyder, the singer-songwriter. He was here, did a couple songs. Interesting guy living that life. So there's that. Live WTF tomorrow. Wow. The 28th. At the Steve Allen Theater, at the Trippany House, at the Steve Allen Theater, live WTF. Come out. I don't know if there's tickets or what, but it's going to be big. I got Dave Hill. I got Moby. I got Ari Spears. I got Jake Fogelnest. I got Jim Earl. And I got Mike Bobbitt from the Midwest. Moby. Hmm. That's going to be interesting. So there's that. All right. Enough of me. Can I? Should I give you that one more time, though? Should I give you one thing one more time? One thing. One thing, people create the reality they need in order to discover themselves. Get on that. Let's talk to the hilarious Andy Daly. So you went to Glendale. You didn't go to uh, Silver Lake or Los Feliz. Nope. You really are that guy. I am that guy. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't a character at all. (laughs) <laughs> I went for the full suburban lifestyle. Absolutely. I, that? I have nobody, none of my neighbors are in show business. None of them? Well, no, that's not true. I have an, an actor who lives behind us. Behind you? Mm-hmm. On your property? He's in the shack. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's about to, like a big actor? No. No, but a Would great I know actor. Him? He's really good. You know where you know him from? Where? Uh, if you watch Deadwood, he's in a very memorable scene in Deadwood where he's like a really big fan of Wild Bill's. And then Wild Bill's like, all right, move it along. And, and he gets furious with him. It's a great scene because it starts with, hey, you're Wild Bill, and it ends with, fuck you. Yeah. And it's really good. That's uh, that's show business in a nutshell. Yep. Yeah. They summed it up in like a two-minute scene. Do you have people that come up to you and are like, you're that guy? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but is that, do they know your name? Uh, sometimes they do, yeah, but a lot of the time, you know, that, there's that way of being recognized that's not the best of the world where it's like, help me recognize you. Yeah. And no, that's not it. Yeah. That's not it. Nope. Help me. Nope. Help me have a moment where I go, yeah, that's you. <laughs> I had that It may happen. take a while. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I had that moment in Santa Fe. It just reminded me. Here's a new etiquette rule. I think if you see somebody but you don't know who they are, it's fine to say, where do I know you from? But then just politely accept whatever the first thing is that they tell you. Yeah. Like, well, you might know me from Eastbound and Down. Then don't go, no. Yeah, I don't want you. Let, just <laughs> say, yeah. Just That's it. Well, I think you're great. That well, would be, then we're done. But the problem is, is that uh, Andy Daly, by the way, is in, in the garage from you're Eastbound right. and Down and, and a lot of other things. Mm. You're in a lot of other things. I've been in a, yeah. Been some movies. There are certain people of a certain age range, and often if somebody is black or Hispanic, they know me from Mad TV. That was the big break, though, right? I suppose so. I mean, I, I didn't realize you were on there for what, two years, three years? Uh, Two. Yeah. More like a season and a half, really, my first season. I think I've known you since you were a child. <laughs> That's probably true. Is that probably true? Well, I think we would have met in the Luna Lounge days in New York, like ninety five, right. six, seven. Yeah. Right, and you were, you know, doing some stand up, and then you were hanging around yes, with that Secunda guy. That's right. Uh huh. The two Andys. The two Andys. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And you, of course, were the funny Andy. I was I, the fun. No. <laughs> I was the funny one and the smart one and the good looking one. It was yeah. a big burden. <laughs> Where is Andy Secunda? Andy Secunda. He just moved to Los Angeles, as a matter of fact. Wow. Take your time. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. Know what I mean, don't rush into show business. Yeah. <laughs> he held out for a long time, but he just moved. And his sister's been here forever. Yes, she's I know. still an agent. Mm-hmm, yeah, she was my first agent. She was my first agent. Why? Do you ever talk to her? Yeah, I've talked to her. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea what she's up to. She's doing uh, just being a super comedy agent. Really, agent to the stars? Yes, still? of course, absolutely. Who are her yeah. big people now? I don't know. Why don't we get her on the phone? get her on the phone and find out who her Ruth big people Ann. are? <laughs> Who are you getting the new version of development deals for these days? I think she has a lot of big clients, yeah. I, I, Look her up. It's so weird because, you know, when you're younger, you think, like, they're my friends. And then you're like, my friend doesn't call me. Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, I think, well, Ruthann was a friend because I, I went to college with Andy Secunda. Right. And So you knew the family? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, did, I never met her until after college, but he and I were, we wrote together and we're on a right. sketch show together in college. And then after college, we did some stuff together. So I met her. I think I met her socially as my friend's sister before I really, right. you know. Was it like your age. friends are like, hot sister? <laughs> <laughs> like, so how old your sister? Any of that going on? No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> you don't like Jews? Come on, let's, <laughs> let's get to the bottom of this. Well, I do despise Jews. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Figured, yeah. yeah. You have that vibe to you. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I'll, but not in a hostile or no, an unfriendly no. way. I mean, like, I I'll think tolerate I, you because you're in the same, you live in my neighborhood. Right. We're in the same business. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I make it friendly. You know, I don't go the Mel Gibson route. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, yes, of course I hate Jews, but right. there's no reason that we can't be friendly. Yeah, because we, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're people in what I say at home and in my head is my business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you come from? Where Where do you come from? New Jersey. Really? Mm-hmm. What part? A town called Ridgewood in uh, Bergen County. That's not far from where my roots are. Oh, where's that? Pompton Lakes. What? You know what? This happens almost every time I have a conversation about New Jersey. With I, Pompton I, Lakes? No, I don't know. I've never heard of the town. That's... Do you know a place called the Milk Barn? Nope. The ice cream place? Nope. How about Willowbrook Mall? Anything? I've heard of it. Uh, P- Paramus Park Mall. <laughs> yes, that was my mall. Okay. The Paramus Park Mall was Thank my God. mall. Thank God. All right, so let's get to, let's do that then. There was a giant turkey. There was a, there was a giant uh, statue of an Indian boy riding a turkey. Sure. In the middle of the Paramus Park yeah. Mall. Yeah, Fond memories of that. What the hell was that about? Like, I don't know. I remember when Paramus Park Mall was dis- uh, discovered. Mm. Yeah, it was like- <laughs> It wasn't it, built, it was discovered? No, it was always there. <laughs> That you know that it was built by the people that that used to farm the giant turkeys. Oh, 
Yeah, that like a lot of people. Don't Archaeologists know discovered the Paramus Park Mall. There they was already a Spencer Gifts there. Spencer Gifts with a fully stocked adult section. Beautiful. Yeah, and it turns out the sense of humor of uh, the ancients was no different. <laughs> you could go in there and open a box as a twelve-year-old and go, "Look, it's it's a sock like a, a penis. It's a box of farts. Yeah, a box of farts." <laughs> ah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you, were you uh, uh, old enough to remember? Did they have the black light section in the back? Sure, yeah. Where mm-hmm. you go back there and you're like, ah, oh, this is like everything plays out in Spencer's gifts. Yeah. You walk in, it's like stupid ashtrays and bullshit gifts. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, man, you go into the back and you're like, man, there's another world out this there. This could be my life. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. With I this. had a black light. You yeah. did? Mm hmm. What were your posters? I had a, the, you know, the, the Led Zeppelin uh, guy up on the hill with the lantern. You did from uh, from the Zofo album, from yeah. Stairway to Heaven, mm-hmm. sure. Oh, you did? That poster, you had that? Like the, whatever it is, like the what, sure. like velvet, but the cheap ber- version of it. Right, right, mm-hmm. but it Black lit up poster. right, yeah. And yep. that was it? That's all I recall having. Some it's reason like or another, my parents let me have the uh, the uh, horoscope sexual positions. I had mm-hmm. that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that one. Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, each month in each yeah, different fucking position, and I had that. Disturbing. Yeah, I don't know why they... It, How, it, it wasn't that graphic, you know, it was just, you know, vague. But uh, I don't know why they let me have it. So you had one black light poster. That's all I recall having. Yeah. Huh. I don't know what else I did with that black light. I don't know either. Probably yeah. just looked at the specks of dust on your sheets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, what is this? Oh, my God. My cum stains light up. <laughs> I better not let my mom turn this on. <laughs> One thing I remember about my black light, I had a little brother. He was eight years younger than me. I still have that brother. and uh, That's a long way. Yeah, it is. But he uh, he wrote at some point on the box of the black light, hot, do not touch, <laughs> meaning that he had, a, he had some personal experience with that. Burned his hand on that? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. many siblings do you have? I have an older brother. He's three years older than me and a younger brother. Eight years younger. That's a big uh, age jump. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that uh, was that last one? And whoops. I don't know. I don't. We never talked about that. Never got down to it. I never your, asked my parents. Never sat a... down with your younger brother and your parents and just said, "Tell him, <laughs> tell him he's an accident." There's no way <laughs> he to deserves know. to know. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want him. <laughs> he's your younger brother in show business. He is an illustrator. He's a great illustrator. He really? did all the artwork on my album, and and uh, he's a. He does he do, does cartoons online about uh, video games for this some, this website. And he's a nerd guy. Yeah, he's a super nerd guy. Yeah, he writes he does these cartoons about video games that I, sometimes I have no idea what is being discussed. Like because it's like vintage video games and stuff like that. Like going how far back? Like not not my video games. We're not talking like um, uh, Galaga, Galaga. Yeah, or, stuff like that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and the one where you shoot asteroids. And uh, uh, Space yeah. Invaders. Space Invaders. Oh, yeah? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's uh, into all that weird stuff. Yeah, that, That's not weird. It's old. It's That's what it is. It's back, old. Retro. Back before, you know, people shot people that looked like people. Yeah. He writes about the history of video games. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Pong. Yeah. Pong. Yeah. Huh. Well, mm-hmm. that's good for him. Yeah. He's yeah. great. He's very funny. And your older brother does what? He's a lawyer. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does he help out sometimes? He in trouble? Hey, buddy. Hey, bro. I have asked him for advice hey, over the years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bro, <laughs> I got to get out of jail. You've never been in jail. I've never been in jail. No, I don't think I've ever been close to being in jail. Yeah, you seem like a decent, uh, upstanding citizen. That's well, the vibe I get. That's right. That's yeah. precisely right. Civic-minded. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you do, Conscientious. Well, I mean, you, you, that's sort of your character, right? Yeah, and it's not too far from the truth, really? to be honest. Yeah. Well, there needs mm-hmm. to be a guy like you. You're almost like uh, you're a, an archetype. 
Oh, uh huh. And a television archetype. Oh, good. Yeah, he's the pleasant guy, the guy you want to see lose it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. And there's nothing that I love more than that. And then losing it. Yeah, yeah. The being 100 percent together and then losing it. That's it. it's so best. much fun. It's the best. Yeah. Are you friends with uh, with Rachel Harris? Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. you guys should just do that together. You should oh, have a yeah. lose it off. <laughs> she's like the, fi- the she's like the female companion part, the she's, perfect suburban couple. Yeah, it's yeah. got everything all together. And yeah, then just yeah. fucking loses just it in front of your snap eyes. Snap, yeah. right in front of each other. Yeah, yeah. That's when my when did you do? Uh, like, how did you get to where you are now? I mean, in high school, what, were you um, a do gooder student government guy? That's funny. Yes, I was. But <laughs> I might as well be a fucking fortune teller today. <laughs> well, I was and I wasn't because I ran unsuccessfully for student government every single year. I'm sorry. I, yeah. But then in my senior year, there was an appointed position that I was appointed to by the principal. <laughs> <laughs> like a Supreme Court appointment? Yeah. yeah. You, they, was there a recount? He they, threw me a bone. Oh, really? No, the principal had to appoint somebody to be the student representative to the Board of Education, which meant that I attended Board of Education meetings and represented the student's point of view. Oh, he, he found a sucker in you then. <laughs> Who the fuck would want to do that? This is a big opportunity. Let me find somebody who always runs for office and loses. And yeah, and exactly. seems genuinely interested in things. Yes, would like to feel important. But I know that no other student would possibly want to do this. And I really dug into it. I mean, I read the agenda front and back. I asked questions. Like I was heavily involved in at that the school job. board. You were asking yes, questions. Yes, and you were like what fifteen? I was uh, seventeen, and I had a seat there with the with the school board members. Were there other students? Very seriously. No, this was the one student representative to the board of education, and I got very involved in student parking and and went to lots of town council meetings and was very like truly a civic minded teen <laughs> and like and I wrote for the school newspaper and I was always letting the the local newspaper know what I was up to they were constantly writing articles about me really yes <laughs> I was always firing off press releases about what I was up to I was a very high profile but not well liked young man <laughs> I <laughs> Everybody knew who I was, but I never got invited to the parties. I would say not. Yeah. <laughs> they were afraid that you would, you're like undercover. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was something more than just illegal alcohol at the party last night, writes Andy Daly. <laughs> <laughs> that would not have been outside the realm of possibility. That's I, a, oh, my God. There was a class, uh, our health class, the day that they talked about that the guy did the do not drink alcohol class. I attended that voluntarily a couple of times beyond what I had because I wanted arguments against alcohol. I wanted to arm myself with more arguments against alcohol. That was a weird move. Yeah, so uh, you, you wanted no friends. I mean, who were your friends? Were you like friends with teachers? Were you on a first name basis with the principal? You, sure, yeah, Bob. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible childhood you had. Look what you did to yourself. <laughs> I was in a band. I played drums in a band, and I had... Those guys were my friends. What, a, a band of chess players? <laughs> what, who, what do you mean you play drums? What kind of band? <laughs> we played a lot of classic rock covers and stuff and uh, at charity functions. <laughs> charity functions. <laughs> Never any high school parties. <laughs> I don't know that we ever got hired to do a dance. Really? So, oh, really? But, yeah. Did you ever do parties? Gee whiz, no, I don't think so. Gee whiz, no, your rock band didn't play high school parties. I don't think we ever got asked to play any parties, no. What what kind of classic hits are we talking about? You know, uh, we went from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Tacoma. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Sure. There was some credence in there. Oh, real classic hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. You were like a, a do-goody good guy. Yes, except uh-huh. that I was flunking all of my classes, what was the one weird thing about me. I did. I was... A horrible, horrible student. I got C's and D's and everything. And I had all these extracurricular activities that I was heavily invested in 
and involved in and in every way was a model teen, except that I was flunking all of my classes. Wow. Yeah. So that was a very stressful lifestyle. And all my friends were like college bound. But wait, did, mm -hmm. was the illusion to the other students that you were doing well? Yeah, I don't think anybody knew that I wasn't doing well. So you were you were hated because mm -hmm. you were such a, a, a do-gooder. And then like the, the, the illusion was that that guy is just the perfect guy, but secretly you were flunking. Yeah. And you couldn't even be a rebel. You couldn't even be like, yeah, fuck you, I'm flunking, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I was not a burnout. I was a, yeah, I was a model citizen who just happened to be doing poorly in school. And how did that play with the principal? Did you have connections? Were you like, Bob, uh, can you throw me a bone here on the... Uh, Sort of a little bit. <laughs> I did have to go in front of like a review board of teachers who all loved me to to because I had like thirty absences in physics. I just didn't go. And so you ditched class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're that guy. What were you doing when you were ditching physics? Were you busy cleaning up at an old folks' home or <laughs> doing some random community service around your neighborhood? I was. Well, I was very involved in extracurricular activities. Yeah. There was a there was a television production uh, elective oh, right. that we could take in my high school. I was heavily into that. Yeah, and you know that Andy Blitz and I were high school buddies, and we wrote uh, Andy Blitz. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good impression. <laughs> we did sketch comedy together in high school. Believe it or not, really? Yeah, mm -hmm. Andy Blitz. Did he did he talk differently? Uh, my name is Andy Blitz. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been slightly more high energy. I don't know. I don't know. Uh. I'd like to yeah. see him do improv. <laughs> Go. Uh, maybe if we um, didn't do it that way, we could. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I always liked him. He ropes you into his energy level, I feel like. Oh, he's great. Know, he, I, you know. What's he doing? Stand up and stuff. and He's out here? Mm, yeah, he goes back and forth. What you kind of know you were in a sketch group, just the two of you? Andy? Yeah. Andy, you only work with other I people I only work with Andy. other guys named Andy. That's Andy it. Andy Witz, Andy Secunda. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just the two of you in the sketch group? Uh, it wasn't really a sketch group. We just wrote sketches and, and uh, filmed them. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we had a little sketch show. And uh, yeah, someday those sketches should see the light of day. Cause you have were, them? Pretty, yeah, I do have them. And Blitz was like a really, like a fully formed sketch comedy genius at at 16 17 really funny stuff what does it mean to be a sketch comedy genius do you always understand sketches when you like you you've done a lot of sketch work and it's one of mm -hmm. my blind it's like it's not like sometimes i watch sketches and i'm like how did anyone commit how did anyone say this is done on paper i mean what what is the when you write a sketch what do you oh. what do you usually do you have like if you were teaching a class mm. on sketch writing oh, what would Lord. you say <laughs> would, you, would you say all right first just have an idea mm -hmm. and then just work it there you go. That's it. Yeah, and I'd try to get paid like three hundred dollars for that class. Yeah, but it would be. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, all right, go ahead, do it, and turn them in. We'll have a look at them. I think like a sketch comedy person is always shopping around for sketch premises in their life, and everything that happens to them is like, is that a sketch? Is that a sketch? You know? Oh, like, almost like we do jokes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And then you know, and how do you take it over the top? Mm -hmm. Usually, is what it is. Well, one thing. To that we learned at the UCB theater and you know my early days taking classes there was that it, it is about finding a game for the scene you know whatever it is if it's I, this guy's trying to return a dead parrot and this guy's trying to convince him it's not dead there's your game for the scene so right. how do I play just play that out oh, you know, I get and it. heighten those beats right you know and it becomes more and more ridiculous and, and you're done when it can't get any more ridiculous and then like when and then sometimes you walk off stage and go that that should be a sketch I find that is rare. Personally. When you do an improv, that becomes a sketch. I I don't know if it's just my point of view, but I never walk off stage 
after an ass cat and go, we got to write that up. I don't know. I, I, I think it's just a sensibility that I feel like we put it, we, we did it. It's gone. It's done. We're now I'm thinking about something else. So, okay. So after flunking out of high school, uh, yeah, I, I think I graduated with like a low C average. Okay. The and then like, you were like, uh, I'm done with this government thing. Was there a point where you're like, I should be in po- politics? Yes, except that, you know, I'm more of a man of action than a man of learning. Uh-huh. I would have had to uh, take school a little more seriously. I really, really just completely did not like school. Yeah. So, no, and I wasn't going to go to college at all until I read a uh, unauthorized biography of David Letterman, where I learned that he went to college and got a degree in television and radio, and I was like, well, I could do that. And that's what you decided? You yeah. Were, you were moved by Letterman. Yeah, because my, my parents really wanted me to go to college like not going to college didn't seem like an option so uh i and when i found out you could major in television and radio i was like yeah. i think i could i could swing that yeah that, and, that could hold my interest and when you where did you go to college i went to ithaca college way up there yeah mm-hmm. yeah upstate new york but yeah. i actually my grades were not good enough to get into their television program so, so you went to their moron program i did <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. They re- they literally sent me a form saying, "Well, you can't get into that program because it's competitive." But here, check off, choose one of any of these like forty majors, and you can come right. and do. We have our version is. of community college, kind of that you can do for two years, <laughs> and then we'll integrate you into the main population. <laughs> is that what that was? Well, I went there hoping to get good grades in my first year there, so I could transfer into television radio. And is that what happened? My grade point average, my first semester of college, was one point four eight. Jesus, you're a moron. Yeah. <laughs> This is all very surprising to me. <laughs> uh, no, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I just couldn't focus. I didn't care. I just couldn't do it. I just. Really? I'm, I'm a, a daydreamer. This is very surprising to me. So you're not a druggie. No. And you 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 seem to be you know successfully repressing your childhood. Yes. And thank uh, you. Thank you. <laughs> it's hard you, work. And you, you can't. You just couldn't. You were just a space case, like ADD or something. Maybe. I don't know. No, I just have other things to think about. I like, what were you thinking about? I don't know, but I would just... Well, like... Girls. It's a good question. I don't know. Why was I so bad in school? Like, I think a lot of the time, like in math and science classes, I would I would understand what they were talking about for two weeks, and then I'd be like, could we just hang here for about a month? But then they'd keep going on to other stuff. Yeah, just, moving too quick. Yeah, they, they were just moving just too fast. Just got to hang on that, that what is X thing. Yes, now, exactly. Now, where are we? We're talking vectors. something else. Yeah, yeah. forget it. Yeah. I would just lose the thread, and that would be it. I'd be out of the game <laughs> for the year. <laughs> I'm the same way, though. I, I spaced out during everything, and like, if you miss yeah. that one day in geometry or the one day in algebra, oh my you're God. fucked. Forget you it. There's no going back. Yeah. It's done. Numbers right. aren't, they're not for you. Nope. Nope. Exactly. You you space out two days in algebra, you mind as well, you're never going to be a scientist. Nope. Matter of fact, you're never going <laughs> to get past algebra. <laughs> I In my physics class, I sat next to this guy who was like, you, physics is common sense. You don't have to read the book. You don't even have to pay attention. Do whatever you want in this class. And I was like, fucking, that's great news. <laughs> and then I just got lost. I didn't know what was happening. Oh. And then one day the teacher was out and the guy, this guy- went up and taught the class <laughs> the guy who said come on it's easy because he's a fucking genius <laughs> <laughs> did you say you misled me yeah, i didn't know you were a genius yeah. i don't know what's happening in the ripple tank yeah yeah it's Jesus. different common sense for a genius is something highly elevated exactly common sense for me is like what am i gonna eat for lunch today maybe something not poison <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I had a bad diet too. But no, well, like English and history classes. Yeah. Like I would constantly get papers back that had like an A written on it, but crossed out, and then a D minus for lateness. It was just that kind of thing. I just couldn't make myself do it, and I wanted to. I just didn't have the willpower to like sit down and fucking do it. Huh. 
And yeah, that's good. It's good to know. So you're just kind of paralyzed with uh, some sort of. I was at the time. Well, I, then after that 1.48 uh, debacle in college, I was on the dean's list for the rest of college because I just decided, like at that point, I was like, all right, come on, you know, like. This is, you know, what it was kind of like about saying this is about me and it benefits me to be here doing this. I never quite understood it that way in high school. Right, you just thought it was something you had to do. Yeah, yeah. And the first year of college, my parents wanted me to be here. Right, exactly. Yeah, because I almost flunked out of uh, high school, and then my senior year, I realized if I because I was one of those kids, I was like, I'm not going to college. Uh, what do I need it for? I yeah. had no fucking clue mm-hmm. why how life was lived by anybody. For yeah. any reason. Right. I had no career goals. I had no structure. My parents were stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they gave me no guidance whatsoever. <laughs> I might mm-hmm. as well have been in the wild, but I wasn't. I, I think in my heart I was in the wild, but they, they gave me a nice car when I was old enough to drive. Right. <laughs> you don't always get that in the wild. Sometimes no. you do. No, you you got to have to find it. A nice vehicle that you... <laughs> take driver's head and you walk out and there's a bow around a Datsun B210. Oh. Gee, my parents aren't animals. Beautiful. Yeah, sure. What nice. was your first car? A Chevy Celebrity uh, wagon. That was yeah. a nine-seater. <laughs> that was a hand-me-down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my dad drove it hard for five or six years. A nine-seater. Nine-seater. I had room for eight more friends than I had. <laughs> <laughs> to go to the to go to the uh, the school council meeting. Who's who's going? Plenty of room. There was this is ironic. I didn't get that car until college, but and in high school, a lot of the kids who went to my high school were pretty well off and had cars. And there was a whole controversy about student parking around my uh, around the high school. Yeah, like the neighbors around there did not want the kids parking on the streets. And I led a protest to maintain student parking on the streets, like going to the town council meetings and collecting signatures and all that. I didn't have a car, and none of the fucking kids who had cars ever showed up to my rallies. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the saddest story I ever heard. Your big attempt to, to get friends just didn't pan out. You're like, these people, how will they not like me now? I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for their right to park in walking distance of the school. Yeah, I'm fighting for their right to Come smoke. Come on, guys. To smoke pot in front of neighbors' houses. Right, exactly. And to make to make dogs uncomfortable around the neighborhood. It is funny looking back on it. I think those parents had a point. At the time, I was like, this is so insulting. Yeah. But yeah, of course. We're human. We're just kids. No, you don't want those kids driving up and down your street. It's a mess. Of course. Yeah, during Animals. the day. Animals. Animals. Yeah. And none of them, none of them supported you. No. Fr- so when did you <sighs> find yourself with a friend finally? I did have a few friends. I had some friends in high school. What, what were they like? Uh, you know, smart college-bound kids who uh, were, you know, in, in who also liked to play classic rock yeah. at charity functions. The two guys in the band with you. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> uh, that was it? No. Did well, Andy, Andy Blitz was my friend. Did I play sports? Mark, please. No, no I didn't play sports. Nothing? No golf? <laughs> no, no, no. I did take golf in, in college. That first semester in college, I took golf. That must have been what you were working on. No, that class, I went to the first class, and then I never went back because it was on the other end of the campus, and it was early in the morning. And at the end of that semester, the golf teacher said to me, he goes, I'm not going to fail you because I've never failed anybody. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't your game. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to give you a D- minus because you literally came once. And uh, it, 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 somehow that made sense to him. Because I've never failed anybody, I'm not going to fail but you. If, okay, so you're ditching physics and you're ditching college and you're not smoking pot what the fuck were you doing <sighs> watching television wow yeah no pot no not in high school but in college yeah, sure. i did smoke some pot in college yeah. yeah and then actually once i started drinking yeah i started drinking like senior year 
in yeah. high school. That became a very big part of my life. I very much enjoyed that. Sure. Yeah. That's a that's a good part of uh, one's life. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You're like, I found a friend finally. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, that was... and it's a friend that'll keep me at home. <laughs> <laughs> and when I go out, it makes me funny. <laughs> yeah, right. True. Uh, so when did you get into the acting and whatnot? I was always acting. I was always I was acting throughout your entire a, childhood. Yeah, pretty much. You're acting like you gave a shit about things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things other than me. Yeah, no, I was uh, actually. In, I know that in first grade, my first grade teacher recommended I take a drama class because I was a ham in class. Yeah, I was always acting, and I was in little plays and stuff in like fourth grade and sixth grade and really? junior high. Yeah. What point, in junior high, did you do any musicals? Yes. I, I always managed to get the part in the musical, the guy who didn't have to sing. Like, there's one T-bird named Sonny in uh, Greece who doesn't have a song. I got that. Yeah. I was, the, I was the landlord in Wonderful Town. He doesn't have a song. Uh-huh. Evil Eye Flegal and Little Abner. Yeah. He doesn't sing. Yeah. So you're those yeah. guys. The I got all singing parts, parts in musicals. Yeah. 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 Surprisingly enough, most musicals have a part for somebody that cannot sing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, could you sing? I could carry a tune, but I didn't like uh, I didn't like the idea of me standing there singing. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, not a good idea. No, though. it didn't sound like silly. fun. Yeah, it so. did seem silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. when when you were doing the acting, I mean, did you at least feel excited about that? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I felt excited about a lot of things. Like I was always engaged, like heavily engaged in like creative projects and and extracurricular activities and stuff like that. But I just wasn't into school. What were some of the other extracurricular activities? Uh, writing for the school paper. That's good. Yeah. Breaking the big stories. Breaking the real big stories. Sure. Writing incendiary columns. Did you? Getting in trouble. Yes. I wrote a column once where I, I had a humor column. Mm. Oh, boy. And I wrote... The, the cheerleading squad used to put up signs in the cafeteria and... Uh, like go team signs? Yeah, right. On yeah. Fridays. And uh, they were ugly. They were like these really ugly posters on like that brown paper and stuff sure. and they would always cover over the clock in the cafeteria and so I, in one of my hilarious humor columns I complained <laughs> about that and about the fact that it didn't work because the team always lost which they always did Yeah. so that managed to right off the bat like infuriate the entire football team and the whole cheerleading squad You're making friends all over that the place that was a bad move yeah and from what I understand the football coach at the next practice called me an asshole <laughs> <laughs> and got everybody riled up against me like as a way of psyching up the team like look at this article this kid's making fun of us so i did get beat up a couple times really yeah For sure that? yeah how bad i kind of deserved it like you know like well it was more intimidation like a bunch of guys Push gathering, around. pushing me against lockers and making threats and things like that so they put out a hit on you they did yeah the, the football, football coach the football coach put out a hit on me so he alienated the jocks entirely without any stoner support no uh, support. Yeah, and the nerds, uh, you know, you couldn't really rally them. Nerds are hard to rally in high yeah, school. Yeah, and right? uh, they're just looking out for themselves. I'm just trying to figure out these other band members. They must be <laughs> a real piece of work. These guys. <laughs> <laughs> we were a good band. Calvin was our guitarist, and he he went on to MIT, and he used to build his own guitars. Like he's a really smart guy. And then John, this guy, this bassist John. Yeah, it was a, it was a good group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any recordings of that? Yeah, we did make a recording. As a yeah, fact. Do you, and mm-hmm. uh, do you have that? I do have that. Yes, yeah, we were a... called uh, John Calvin and the Protestants because John was the bassist and Calvin was the guitarist, and it was, so it was a pun about the Reformation. Sure, that's that's popular in high school. That <laughs> I like, guess really catchy. Those kind of jokes when you're high school band playing Credence covers. <laughs> John Calvin and the Protestants. 
some high-minded shit there. You're kind of making me seem like a nerd. You are a nerd. I don't know where that's coming from. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I didn't tell you where this you was can... going to be the... I'm, I'm on the dais of the Andy Daly roast. It's just, I've never really done a, a one-on-one roast before, but it's very fun. It's very it's the most intimate roast of yeah, all. Am I, am I beating up on you too bad? You've, no, done, you've done great things. You know, high school. Yes, thank you. I no, I'm, I'm poorly representing my former self. I you think. are? Yeah. No, I think you, you worked hard at things that didn't matter, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and you played some music for, for people that didn't care. Right. <laughs> it just sounds like a rough bit of high school. High school's rough for everybody. High school is miserable, yeah. But you weren't the funny guy. But you're hanging around with Blitz. He must have been funny. Blitz, he was really funny. But did Blitz have friends? Um, Yeah, Blitz had some friends, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not that I did not have no friends. Right. It just wasn't in the in that popular crowd, you know. So when I did you get friends. into the the big acting? Like in college, did you make it into that program or what? No, I never made it into the television radio. <laughs> 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 the sad, saddest backstory I've ever heard in my life. Big bunch of you know almost and lies about achievement. There, <laughs> I thought you were like a, I don't think I ever actively lied about my grades. It was just an unspoken denial. kind of yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. But uh, no, there was a sketch comedy television show at my college yeah. that uh, I got involved with, and that Andy Blitz, um, no, Andy Secunda was in that, and a lot of really funny people were on that, and I did I did that comedy acting, and then I realized, like, my grades are not good enough to ever get into the television program, but I auditioned for the acting program, because one of the other teachers who could have flunked me but didn't that first semester was this acting elective it's acting class, and she was like, "I think you're really good, and I kind of want to encourage you to keep doing it." So I'm going to give you a D minus. <laughs> a D minus because I never That's went. Encouraging. Yeah, I should have had enough. You never went to that either. I yeah no, not that I never went, but I went. I exceeded the six absences that you were allowed. Did you like make it halfway to class, or did you just not get out of bed? Were I you just depressed? Didn't get out of bed. I didn't get out of bed. Maybe I was depressed. I used to, the, the fact that you could order a pizza at like two thirty in the morning was just overwhelming. That to me. kind of freedom is it hard. It was to... insane. Yeah. I couldn't go to bed, but knowing that there's pizza out there and chicken parmesan sandwiches, and and everybody had beer. There was, was no going to bed. Yeah, and the new world. Yeah, it was too much. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, the worst moment was my psychology class, my intro to psychology of all classes. Yeah, she said you could you could get a zero on one of the exams I give, and I'll drop that score and I average the rest. Right. So I took advantage of that on the first test. I was like, I'm just I'm not going to study for it, and I'm not going to go, yeah. and that'll be my zero, and then I'll buckle down from yeah. here. And I did okay. And then the last test, I fell asleep and didn't set an alarm, and I woke up with like ten minutes to go before I had to be there to take the test. I could have made it, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was the saddest moment of college. I had think. You, had you studied? No, no. Uh, <laughs> so you, like, so you had ten minutes to study and go. Yeah, you yeah. woke up. You had ten minutes to yeah, study yeah. what the test was going to be. And, and no, I just had ten minutes to go. I guess I'm not going to do anything yeah, about this. <laughs> <laughs> and you just watch that clock go a minute past yeah. the hour you're supposed to be in class, and like this isn't happening. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm actively not going. I'm actively not going. <laughs> and that was a fascinating ride home. My dad picked me up from college and drove me home four hours uh, for Christmas break. Yeah. And uh, it, somehow the topic of how I had done didn't come up. <laughs> you lucked out. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't bring it up. 
So, totally. all right. So yes. you got into drama, and that's when you started doing well. Yeah. In mm-hmm, yes. Because exactly. your your uh, creativity was woken up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I yeah, I didn't have to take any classes that didn't interest me at all. This right. This was kind of a revelation of just like yeah. So I, you were in the theater program. Yeah, I was in the theater program. Yeah. And you did all the, that kind of stuff. Hmm. I did uh, clowning. It's a fair amount of clowning. It was fencing. mostly clowning. Did you do fencing? No, I never did fencing. Did you do dance? I was compelled to take dance. Yes, dance. Yes. And six hours a week of voice and movement. Voice and movement. Yes. Did you do Alexander Technique? Certainly, yes. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yeah. I like Alexander Technique. Yeah. yeah. But also a little too much of like, let's all put our heads on each other's stomachs and pass a sound <laughs> around. A little too much of that. <laughs> I don't know that one. Is that an exercise? Sure. <laughs> When you got six hours a week of voice and movement, that's an exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the anatomy coloring book, that took up a lot of time. What is that? It's just a, I don't know, it's a coloring book. But there, there were, we also did a variation on the trust fall that was like the most time-consuming variation possible. Where like one person stands up high yeah. and everybody else looks like they're ready to catch you. Yeah. And then you turn around and close your eyes. And during that time, everybody else scrambles and hides. So then you turn around again and now you're looking at a completely empty room because everybody has completely hidden. Yeah. Then you turn around and count to 30 and fall. And in that 30 seconds, everybody has scrambled into place to catch you. Wow. I don't know why. It just ups sounds the like a, a little bit. The teacher was uh, experimenting with some stuff, mm-hmm. stretching that di- that time out. Yeah, and that was a voice and movement exercise. Voice and movement, trust. Yep, that'll help you move and speak. Yeah, but it seems like you know, I, I yeah, it's pushing the envelope of that. Yeah, it what, was kind of exciting. What plays did you do in college? Uh well, here again, now we run into trouble because I was a, <laughs> I didn't like doing like the. Um, uh, school-sponsored productions because it was a little too much like authority and stuff. I only did student-directed productions. So you had a problem with authority? A little bit, just in terms of somebody telling me exactly when I had to be at rehearsals and all that stuff. I preferred the thing where let's all get our date books out and figure out when we can rehearse. So you preferred like uh, what would become regular show business yes, for you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're, you're basically, your entire life was heading towards the UCV. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Can we all get up at around noon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's yeah. not good for me. Let's do it another time. <laughs> yeah. I was in one... It's opening night, Andy. I know, but I'm <laughs> tired. <laughs> I was in one student, like, like school official production, and it really was a drag that, like, the stage manager was like, you must be here a half an hour before blah, 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 and all this stuff. And you just and hated just, that guy. I was like, yeah. So like, your, your way of dealing way. with... Your, your way of rebelling was like, nah, I'm just not gonna go. <laughs> yeah. No, fuck you, man. No, why? Why does it have to be like that? Just don't go. <laughs> well, because then you, then the fuck you, man, is just stuffed down, stuffed down inside you, where it belongs. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> stuff it right down there and go do something else. Thank you. I'll take this schedule under advisement. Where did he go? He never came back. <laughs> so you're just a big bag of repressed fuck yous. <laughs> is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's the mm-hmm. that is the comedic uh, power of you. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you leave college with a degree in drama under your belt. Yes, and you head to New York City. Well, my parents lived in Jersey, so I I lived in their basement for a while and worked at Bennigan's. Oh my and, God, basement in Bennigan's. Yeah, that could have been your life. I know. As a matter of fact, I, when I quit Bennigan's, the guy told me you cannot quit, and I I somehow I believed that. It was like you. <laughs> It's like you can't quit. I need you. You're you know the answer is no. You cannot quit. And I was like, oh, fuck, I can't quit. <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck here. 
Oh my God! I bought that. I don't. Yeah, How I long ago there, did you stay after that? I stayed for several months after that, but it was <laughs> licensed to get drunk and high all the time after work. No, on the job. Okay. And I came up with some great innovative ways of waiting tables during you, that period. You did? Yeah. Like what? Right. Well, like why should I, if somebody gives me a drink, go and fill the drink order like immediately? Why don't I wait until like 10 people give me drink orders and fill them all at once and then come back with a giant tray full of drink orders? <laughs> just some people out. are going to have to wait longer for their yeah. drinks, but the efficiency, <laughs> you know, like I, that was one of my innovative ideas. But And, and you were innovating wearing your own choice of hat probably because it was Bennigan's? Don't you get? Can't you wear flare? Was there flare involved? I was there in the post flare period. I'm post afraid. flare or pre flare? Post flare. Oh, really? Yeah, they had moved on from flare and were oh. moving into yeah, just khakis and white shirts. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The, when I got that job, it sounds like a joke, but it's true. The the manager, the general manager, sat us down at the orientation. Me and a few other kids, and he goes, "My marriage just ended." And she took the kids and moved four hours away. I never get to see them. I'm living in a studio apartment above a laundromat. I have nothing in my life but this Bennigan's, and I want to make this the best Bennigan's in the country. <laughs> Is this the guy that wouldn't let you leave? Yeah. He wouldn't oh. leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and, well, uh, I, I can't get on board with that. Uh, I don't care if this is the best Bennigan's in Englewood, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know that if he ever made his dreams come true with that? I, mean, I know for a fact that, uh, no, that did not work out. Because he got to a point where he couldn't let a, couldn't let one guy quit. You know, the whole staff left. I wonder what happened to that guy. You ever call him? <laughs> he does have kind of a Googleable name. Yeah. I could track him down. Oh, probably. You don't want to do that. Nope. I, I just didn't know there was a national ranking system for Bennigan's. I guess they know what, what stores are doing better. Oh, by the way, the whole thing is out of business now. Oh, there is shit. no Bennigan's That's anymore. probably his fault. He's yep. probably carrying that burden It now. may have been my fault. Mm-hmm. No, you my stay- stupid bringing too many drinks at once. No, you put in an extra three months to make up for that, though. <laughs> drunk and high. So, okay, with the giant so, so you're drunk and high and you know devising new ways to serve drinks at Bennigan's, mm-hmm. living in your parents' basement at age, what, 21? That, those were the golden years. That was the best period of... <laughs> like, what the hell do you, 22, 21? 22, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then what, what, what made you go, um, got to move out? Well, my intention was to go to Chicago because I had heard all about the great things that were happening at Second City and uh, Annoyance Theater. And, and uh, Was there a moment where you were watching something or doing something where you were like, this is a possibility for me? Um, you know, actually, I read Wired, the, the book about Belushi. I read that before I went to uh, college. And that description of his time at Second City was like, that, that made me know that that was something I really wanted to do. Right. And then I read... Uh, I read Something Run- Wonderful Right Away, which right. is another great book about improvisation, and then a book called The Compass by Janet Coleman. So I was like, and Viola Spolin, like I was getting kind of steeped in all that in college. And then during my spring break, senior year spring break, I went to Chicago to see comedy improvisation, my college spring break. And I saw a group there called the Improv Institute that I've never been able to find anybody else who knows. It was it was in a space surrounded by antique stores, and they just did this long-form set that was amazing. And I also that week saw Second City, and Carell was in that show. So I, yeah, that was, I wanted to go to Chicago. But I was in debt. I was in credit card debt. Like, and uh, I figured I needed like $5,000 on hand before I moved to a new city. Right. So that's why I got the job at Bennigan's. But then it took, by the time I had enough money to go, I was driving into New York, getting involved in the New York comedy thing. Mm -hmm. So now it seems ridiculous. But like after about 
a year and a half, I could have moved to Chicago by my own rules about how much money I needed, but I felt like I was too kind of like I had already put down roots in the New York comedy scene at that point. At 23, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I can't move. I can't start over in a new town. Yeah, the manager of New York told you you couldn't quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were in and I also auditioned for Second City in the most ridiculous like oh I was so deluded right like days after graduating from college I wrote the most braggy letter to Kelly Leonard at Second City saying like you gotta you know you gotta get a load of me like I'm gonna fucking revolutionize your whole business sure yeah <laughs> I told him one of the lines in the letter was in the book Wired it said the Belushi used to do an impression of Richard Daly Mayor Daly and yeah. the audience would chant Daly Daly yeah and I told him you know, that's probably going to happen again. Because <laughs> my name's Daly, yeah. <laughs> Different reasons. And he, I got a letter back saying, yeah, you know, come up and up and audition. And I was under the impression that that was an individual invitation for me to go up and audition. And I hit my dad up for a plane ticket and everything and got there. And it was like two days of auditioning people five at a time in groups of five. <laughs> Right. And, oh, so you're a little really disappointed. Like, did you did you pull someone aside and say, "I'm Andy Daly"? I'm Andy Daly. I, I wrote, wrote that the... letter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was just supposed to be up here, like one on one. Like, <laughs> and everybody else auditioning, like they were astounded that some kid flew up from New Jersey who had never taken a class, never studied improvisation or anything. Like everybody else had been through the system somewhat. One of the guys in my group of five had been in the touring company for a while. It was a disaster. It was just like, oh, I get it. Did you get in? <laughs> <laughs> I want this to be a good story. Not all, no! Not only did I not get in, but like the scene that I was in had to be stopped by the guys running the audition. <laughs> oh, no. Because I, I was going so big. Because I was, I was sitting on the sidelines watching this scene, that yeah. the, and then there was like the exercise was whatever, tap yourself in and continue yeah. the scene. I'm like, this is so boring. Somebody's yeah. got to get in there and zip this up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went in and did some big character and let's do it like the come on you guys yeah it was like stop uh, can you just try to, like, try to play it real or whatever and I, was uh, just like, I don't even know what that means <laughs> I'm working here <laughs> I am being hilarious <laughs> so that reminds me of, I don't think I've ever said this before but I, mm. I auditioned for Yale Drama School wow the graduate oh my god Yale Graduate Drama School and I was in this mode where I'm like I got this you yes. know yes and I went and had uh, Derek Walcott write me a, a letter of recommendation. You know, the playwright. He's a playwright and poet. And he was, he, I'd taken a class with him. And he literally, he said, all right. And I watched him. I went over to his apartment on campus. He was in his bathrobe. And he had a little hand typewriter on top of a file cabinet. <laughs> and he typed it out as I stood there and oh, gave it to me. So nice. I had this. And then I'm like, <laughs> they wanted pictures. You know, of course, they wanted a professional headshot. I went to a photo booth and had... <laughs> You know the three I did. I did all four. Oh, I you gave the series, the whole strip. Oh, good. Yeah, taped it right on a piece of paper. <laughs> that gives you in. opportunities to show your yeah. range. Yale Drama School, yeah. and then I went up there and I did an audition. I did a, a Sam Shepard, like an esoteric Sh Sam Shepard piece that involved the guy that was basically jerking off his belt. Oh, so I didn't get in. I was no, there. but I, I was. Uh, you know, I had my own thing. Yeah. And I was, I I'm sure they appreciated that it was a monotony breaker for them. Yeah. I, well, I remember standing, you know, waiting to go on. There was another woman who was going on before me, yeah. you know, into the audition room, and she was doing all these weird warm ups with her face. Oh, and my I'm like, God. It was at that moment I realized, like, wow, I'm not uh, prepared for this <laughs> at all. <laughs> I don't know a tenth of what it yeah. takes. Yeah. And, yep. That's exactly how I felt. And they wanted a classic. City. So I picked, like, I didn't know what that really meant. So I mm. just picked some, like, Greek play. 
Uh-huh. Right, so well, that's the, a classic, surely. I guess, but yeah. I don't even think it, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> I think they're expecting Shakespeare. There's just oh. no way I could wrap my brain around that. No. Yeah. So we've got a certain more story. So you you, mm-hmm. you got your ass handed to you. You were humbled. Big time. Went back to New York. Flew all the way up there to do it. Yeah. yeah. So what'd, you tell, was... what'd you tell your dad? You know, uh, <laughs> what did I tell my dad? I think I presented it as a complaint, like that I had been misinformed. <laughs> I get up there and there's like 500 people auditioning. Yeah, it was not the way it was set it was up. Not the way it was supposed to be. Do, but you, that... get, do you get along with your parents? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's he do? Uh, my, they're both retired, but my dad spent... My dad spent 25 years as a salesman of video teleconferencing equipment. Wow. That was his job. So when he started that in 1985, people were like, oh, there's picture phones? And by the time he retired, it was like, yo, you still need specialized equipment to talk to somebody face-to-face? So, yeah, that's what he did. My mom's a nurse. A nurse? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's good to have in the house. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want someone to overreact to every minor problem. <laughs> Maybe we should call a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So you go back, and when did you, what was this process there? You got involved with, I remember seeing you at Luna doing the teamwork. Mm. Well, before that, so not, yeah. In 93, like right when I graduated college, I started taking classes at Chicago City Limits. Uh, I remember was, that in New York with uh, was mm-hmm. Leslie Epson there. Yes, Leslie Epson was there, and her husband John Weber. Yeah. was like like an early comedy mentor to me. Like he was really really funny. I went to college with Leslie Epson. You did? She's funny. She. I was in that show with her. I was in the main stage. Yeah. Chicago City Limit show with Leslie. She's a funny lady. Um, what's she doing? Is she out here? Yeah, she's out here acting and being hilarious and things. Really? Yeah, doing voiceover work. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. I have not seen her. Oh yeah. In many years. Mm-hmm. They still married? Yes. Children. No, I don't believe so. Mm. And he's an actor as well? He is an actor as well, yeah. He was like a very early supporter and, and booster of mine. And I took his classes at Chicago City Limits. And uh, and through that, got involved with the sketch group that the Stengel Brothers, who are now Letterman's Head Writers, were uh-huh. in charge of. And so I was doing that in New York. Uh, and then I and then Ruth Ann Secunda told me to start doing stand-up. So I did stand-up for about a year and a half and didn't like that very much. I wasn't very good at that. But I was I was much more interested in improv and sketch and stuff like that. And then Andy and I started doing the two Andys in like ninety five. And we and, all went to Aspen together, I think. Oh, in ninety nine we were in Aspen. Yeah. I was there earlier. I don't know if mm. I was there with you guys, but I remember I remember you guys were around. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing you maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're on television. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. It's just like <laughs> you're one of those guys like, Well, how he's on television now, that guy? <laughs> That guy used to hang out with the other guy? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, how'd that happen? How did that happen? Yeah. Well, I was at... Uh, so the the UCB came to town in 96 in, in New York. Uh, in right. New York. And I saw them at Luna Lounge. And after their bit at Luna Lounge, which I loved, like I, it was, I was just like, these guys are kindred spirits. Like, right, they're it. doing it. It's really funny. All yeah. four of them, great performers, a great premise that they played out well. And... And they mentioned ASCAT from the stage, so I went to the to ASCAT that next Sunday. Yeah, and it was one of the early ASCATs. And then after that ASCAT, did they invent that? Yeah, ASCAT. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Walsh said we're going to be teaching a class. He's like, I'm going to teach a workshop one day, and you can sign up for that. And so I did, and that was the first class that the UCB ever taught in New York. Walsh taught it a one day workshop, and I went to that, and just became totally involved in that scene. Yeah. Doing heralds and stuff like that and taking classes from all those guys. And so by 1999, 
Mad TV and other places were kind of they they knew that UCB was a place a potential place to look for people right and uh, they came and and saw me there and asked me to audition That's how and you'd done some a little sketch work here yeah and I had done how did I get in at Conan I think I auditioned you know what I auditioned for the Dana Carvey show and for Louie and Rob and yeah, Smigel yes exactly mm-hmm. and Smigel they didn't hire me but Smigel saw me from that and based on that recommended me to Conan to do bits on the Conan show so I did a bunch of those uh, that was great yeah and, and then, then Smigel okay. used me for TV Funhouse cartoons too yeah so mm-hmm. okay so then you like when you got Mad TV you auditioned and then you moved out here and the rest mm-hmm. is history but, <laughs> yes precisely mm-hmm. but did you know you were a type I mean did you know like because like it, it seems like I've talked to people before who you know f- have found this comedic disposition and i, I imagine it's you mm-hmm. but you you are that guy you're you're sort of the the sort of the you're like a, a, a overly straight mm-hmm. kind of character yeah who uh who's always the brunt of the joke for the most part <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you know you're mm-hmm. kind of that like you know do goody kind of tightly wrapped Yes. And, you know, but I've seen you do other characters. I saw you do a character recently at that Glazer premiere. The uh, Was that a poet or an existential? What was that? Oh, character? a few. Uh, based on the, the Incredible Criswell. Oh, yeah, like the Criswell. A, yeah, 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 yeah. But mm-hmm. so you have a range of characters. But, I mean, yeah. as uh, as somebody who shows up in movies and television shows, you're like uh, kind of like, hey, how are you? You know, that guy. Yeah, yeah. And that was not, definitely not anything I consciously did. Right. You know, I think I'd, I would have imagined myself earlier on as somebody who was, you know, endlessly versatile <laughs> what I could do. <laughs> but that... Uh, I don't know where that came from. I think at Mad TV, I I saw that other people weren't doing a lot of um, straight man stuff, and and it even goes back to Conan doing bits on Conan, where your job is to to play it real and serve the bit. It's this is not about you giving like an incredible comedy performance. Right, you're you're, you're there to kind of communicate the premise and the beats of the bit because it's that's that's what your job is when you're brought in to do a bit there, and so. And that plus the UCB ethic of trying to play to the top of your intelligence and have truth and comedy and all that stuff definitely made me focus on the straight man thing. And I'm also a huge, crazy, huge Charles Grodin fan. And he's like the ultimate fucking incredible straight man. So that at Mad TV, I ended up getting kind of pigeonholed as the guy who the recurring character came in and tortured. And and it was fun for me, actually, to really try to ground scenes and play it real and have real reactions in a bizarre world right so that became a thing that i i began to sort of work on and it's it's essential to the bit like because you make the other guy funny and your timing is going to dictate the the whole thing really your reactions is what's going to drive this thing along i think so and i think if you if you honor that position and if you if you really say like i'm a real person in the real world and this is happening to me and what is it like you can get so much out of it like right. if, if there's any kind of writing that's been done in the, in the piece you can get so much <laughs> out of it you know and then like but you've become like you're one of these guys that you know you're a, a real kind of character actor in a way mm-hmm. i mean you work a lot Mm, I mean, you show lovely. up everywhere. Yeah, in movies, you find that like, you, like when you do movies, it's sort of like, uh, here's here's your little part. 
Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I'll, yeah, I'll read a script and I'll go, well, that part's just perfect for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 I don't think I knew that, that this kind of persona was something that people were writing into scripts all. It was, it was not like a calculated but thing. Do, like do you find you're thought of now? Do you get called in with a bunch of guys that look like you sometimes? Sure, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the, that's always been going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And how did uh, Eastbound and Down come about? Eastbound and down, I think par- that might partly have had to do with um, semi-pro because semi-pro was in some ways the perfect example of me playing like a super straight character and finding a lot to do. That was the movie, that guy, yeah, uh, the Will Ferrell basketball movie. Right, was the courtside right. announcer, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, yeah, of just like a man with a real commitment to broadcasting. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, that was so much fun. And then I think based on that, like a- agents. And people knew me and and knew that and and uh, what those guys Jody and Danny have the same agents as me, so I think they recommended them to me. And I just went in an audition for it and had a couple of auditions and worked with Danny and improvised with Danny. And sweet got guy, the job. he's great. Yeah, I mean that show awesome. is so fucking weird and God, funny. I love that show. Is there and how much improvising is there on that show? A lot. There's yeah. a lot, but it's the perfect combination of like a an amazing script, like a really great script that if you just did that script, it would be hilarious. But they're never precious with it. Like even they don't even want to get it once. You know, they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, just you know, do tell the story of the scene. And I feel like I have enough experience at UCB of improvising in that style of like I see what the objective of the scene is, and I can play with it and play within the boundaries of the scene and the story right. you want to tell in this scene i'm not going to take it off in some other crazy direction and write all kinds of backstory that you don't have in mind right but i can i can play out more beats on this yeah you know so that's what we do on this yeah. that so skill seems to be very important in in the type of television that is popular now hmm. right yeah and personally as an actor like i feel like i can connect to material in situations where i can't improvise yeah. at all but it's so much better for me to feel like I'm a real person saying real things. If I can, if I can make it my own a little bit, you know, it just helps me as a performer. And the Paul Reiser show—that was something you were involved in. Yes, precisely. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the Paul Reiser show. When was that? Did anyone see that? Uh, no. Weirdly enough, what once they finally crunched the numbers, they realized no one had seen it. But I mean, did they run all all seven? <laughs> no, no. They ran, they ran two. two. Yeah, that was so weird. Like that show, we made the pilot, and to be honest, no, no reflection against the material. I enjoyed it, and I loved my character. Like my character was exactly this guy I love to play, like a billionaire who everything in the world is right for him, except that his wife is fucking around on him and his kid is violent. Yeah. <laughs> but he's upbeat about it. Yeah. Well, we're doing what we can. Yeah. Super fun to play. And that guy, Omid Jalili, was fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. There were so many great things about it. But I felt from the beginning of that pilot, I was just like, I don't know if this will be on NBC. Mm-hmm. It's, I somehow sort of can't picture that. Right. I, you know, and then... I heard that it it had not gotten picked up, and then it got picked up for six for mid season. So it was kind of from the beginning. It was like this is iffy. Yeah. And then while we were shooting it, they announced the mid season schedule, and the Paul Reiser show was not on it. Right. But we're still shooting the episodes. <laughs> I was like, this is over, right? I mean, this thing is dead, isn't it? Dead. We're having fun, but it's dead. Can we all just say that? Can we all just what, what if we all just admit <laughs> it today? This is dead, but it's fun. And then, uh, if any, I was surprised that they. That they premiered it because there was also a change in leadership at Ugh. NBC in the middle of that. The like worst. all those guys left and all that, and so yeah, they put two on and then and uh, hardly they had like gave themselves like three weeks to promote it. It was silly. And you and and there's five that have never been seen. Yes, that's right. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. And we do Life at Times of Tim together. I've been on that show a few times. I love that. That's another example. Exactly that same thing of like an awesome script, but do whatever you want. Oh, God. It. There's so much dicking around oh in that thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That show just got canceled. Did it? Yeah. But it, they ran them all. They ran them all. <laughs> yes. It's just, uh-huh. it's not coming back. It's not coming back. And you work yeah. with Glazer on Delocated. Yes. Again. Yeah. Another perfect example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're, That's the you're, way I like to work. You're in the loop. Oh, I love that show. My God. So what do you Your got coming? scenes are so oh, funny. Oh, yeah. He's so funny. He's so yeah. fucking funny. So what do you got coming up? Now I'm doing a show for Comedy Central, and I, I will be the star of it, and I will write it. Yeah. You're going to write them by yourself? All by myself? No. Um, but I, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, we did a pilot that I co-wrote and starred in. Sketch? And, nope. It's uh, an adaptation of an Australian series. In Australia, they called it Review with Miles Barlow. Did you buy that rights to it? Or no, is your... no. Comedy Central did and attached me to it. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, it's really funny. It's about a guy who reviews life experiences. So the people write in and say, "I'm thinking of stealing my mother's dress," and he goes, "Stealing." What is it like to take someone else's property? And yeah. you know, so it's like mock documentary. Oh, and you style. go do it. I go do it, and yeah. I play. I do it like with like strict scientific integrity. Right. I'm going to find out exactly how it feels and report back to you on how it feels to steal something. And I enjoyed it. You, you yeah. know, and this guy, he has no moral compass. He's just like he's a self-experimenting scientist, and things always go wrong. And how how who are you working with on that? Um, Jeffrey Blitz, Andy Blitz's brother, who yeah. directed Spellbound and directs a lot of episodes of The Office, is coming on as an executive producer type guy on that. Yeah, Andy Blitz will certainly rope into it, and we're staffing up the rest of it now. And it's yeah, it's exciting. That is we're going to shoot him over the summer. No, over the in the fall. In the fall, this yeah. fall. Mm-hmm. Going to write him over the summer. Yes, precisely. And uh, yeah. you've got kids and a wife and a house. That's correct. We're back in Glendale. Three weeks from today, my second child will arrive. That's exciting. It's crazy. Do you have some place to put it? Like, <laughs> not really. <laughs> not really. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know. They just come out and you're like, okay, there's, well, let's do this. You know what? This the first I've never kid, done it. I've never done it. No. The first kid, we spent nine months getting ready. This kid, we got a little cocky, and we were like, oh, yeah, we've been through this, but now it's three weeks out. And we're, it literally, we're, where are we going to put it? Yeah. It needs, it will take up some space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get it at a crib and stuff, or did you save right. all that shit? No. <laughs> no. Our other kid is almost five, so yeah. this is a big break between them. On purpose? Okay. Was this an on purpose thing? Literally, when, she, when the other kid turned four- was the first moment that my wife and I were like, I could see doing this again. But for it was four years of crisis mode of just like responding to new information at all times. Yeah. <laughs> and constantly playing catch up with this yeah. child and her development. And, oh, and she's crazy. okay? She's great. She's amazing. Yeah. She's funny, funny. And- it's good you didn't wait the full, you know, that's uh, not eight. No. <laughs> Into mistake territory. Yeah. No. How how old are you? I'm 41. I just turned 41. So your brother's like 33, 34? Sounds right. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys are close. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes. He uh, he keeps me up to date on what's happening in the world of uh, popular music. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. You need yes. that. You're a guy that needs I, that. I sure do. Yeah. Because you've been somebody to send me CDs. You've been 50 since you were 15. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> 50 since I was 15. That's the name of my autobiography. And the new record. And the new record. (laughs) You've got a CD out? I do have a CD out, yeah. stand-up? No, it's character bits. It's, uh, yeah, 
That's what it is. It's like I, I think of it as one man sketches. And how that how's that selling? Uh, I don't know. Fine, probably. It's been out since two thousand and nine. Two thousand and eight. Records. No, or... a, a special thing. Records. I I've recorded with uh, yeah. them. We just did a thing with them. Yeah. Well, good, episodes. man. Well, yeah. it was great talking to you. I hope you feel good about it. I do. I feel like somehow that I came off like something of a nerd, which I feel like really doesn't reflect my sensibility. I think I'm very punk rock. Uh, uh-huh. I think I'm very dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, I think I'm really quite cool. Well, well, so Okay. Well, then we can. Like I to, think uh, that it's, it's open to interpretation. You're either a nerd or just a guy who is just kind of like, I don't know. Okay. Those are two great things to be. So... <laughs> I mean, fixing and editing would you yeah, make me I, seem uh, I don't know sexy if punk rock or... is gonna come into it I mean because I mean, maybe you have a punk rock inside of you you have a punk rocker in there yeah but you know you, you keep them to yourself oh okay yes <laughs> see if that's <laughs> that was your punk rocker talking that was it right yes, there he's, he's, uh-huh <laughs> that's how you would kick off your punk rock song one two three here we go <laughs> Well, this will be something. <laughs> Thanks, Andy Daly. <laughs> Thank you. It was fun. It was. All right, that's it. The lovely Andy Daly. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Maybe a little of this. Whoa, pow! I just shit my pants for reals. Just coffee.coop available at WTFPod.com. Get the app. Get on the mailing list, kick in a few shekels, get some merch. You're going to be introducing some new posters there soon. Uh, what else? Live WTF tomorrow night, the 28th, at the uh, Steve Allen Theater, the Trippany House at the Steve Allen Theater with a big roster of guests. It should be fun. If you've never experienced one of those, come down for that. Oh, it's hot. I can't get Boomer in here right now. I can't do it. Uh, also, I'm going to be re-releasing the Brian Cranston episode on Wednesday. A little special treat for you, for you guys. Maybe I should just get on medication, get off these nicotine lozenges. I mean, it's ridiculous, ridiculous how many I eat. I can't. <laughs>